God. You've heard me say that a million times that not ever, just because everyone buys promotional products does yep. not mean everybody's your customer. A hundred percent. Sir or madam, will you read my book? It took me years to ride. Will you take a look? And that's the song I'm singing as we <laughs> open up episode number 168 of the Promo Upfront Podcast. I am Bill Petrie, one of your hosts. With me, as always, the warlock of writing himself, the one and only Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the authorship are you? <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I'm doing great. It's been a really um, wonderful week. Uh, you, you know, as you alluded to it's launch week for the book and uh, that's been going really well and i think you know whether people mean it or not they've been really nice this week about the book and and sort of supporting and so that's been feeling really good so i'm doing well buddy how about you i'm doing great and here's the thing about social media if it's something you disagree with there's no value in social media but if it's something that makes you feel good there's a lot of value in social media <laughs> oh, so okay. let's go with a lot of value this week uh no it's been a good week uh fun watching your book launch we're going to talk about that here in just a moment but you know what I, I was watching your book launch this week and as things often do kirby it got me to thinking about you and the other aspects of your business and i thought you know, I've been on an average daily basis, probably 13, 14, 20 times a day. You are looking for kick-ass merchandise, are you not, Kirby? I, I am, actually. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the type of merchandise that elicits that, wow, that aha from you really want to get from your clients, right? Yeah. You want those. Well, yes, Kirby, of course. I've got some good news. I've got some great news for you. I was going to say good news. I've actually got great news for you. Look no further than our good pals over at Seven Sourcing because they are experts in the field. They work with distributors to help them source custom orders uh, direct from fully vetted overseas factories. And that's without having to deal with the factory. It's a great service. Seven Sourcing has a very strong pedigree when it comes to navigating uh, direct custom merch sourcing uh, as their team has over a quarter a century of successful importing experience. And I think we both know as things change and the world's evolving. That's some really great experience to have. But Kirby, there's something even better. No, nope. all right. They work directly with each distributor on brand strategy, product development, product sourcing, order management, quality control, compliance, and logistics. Mm -hmm. In other words, they really demystify custom um, direct custom sourcing. Uh, and while they source merchandise at the lowest possible cost, they don't sacrifice quality or yeah. safety to meet price points. That's a big one. It is. Seven Sourcing isn't, yeah, Seven Sourcing isn't interested in meeting expectations, Kirby. They're only uh, committed to exceeding them. And that's where Russ and his team over there at Seven Sourcing do such a fantastic job. Now, Kirby, this is a tremendous opportunity for distributors to wow their clients with fully custom merchandise, isn't it? It really is. And so I don't know if you remember this, but the last time that they were, we were talking about them as a sponsor, you kind of challenged me to reach out to Russ. And so I have yeah. done that. And so I will tell you a couple of things that you just said. Number one, yeah. one of the, the projects I wanted was such a, it was at a price point that I wasn't sure that it and he still gave me yeah. ideas, but he he counseled me on, hey, if we're going to really get creative, we need to do this and this and this. And so right. it, it, to your point, he wouldn't sacrifice quality. And so, and yeah. uh, yeah, and I'm really hoping then I found another project that might work. And so we're working through that and I hope to be doing some business more with seven sourcing soon. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that Russ is really great with. He will brainstorm with you. He's going to pick your project apart, but in a good way to make yeah. sure that it is going to be uh, compliant from a safety perspective, that yep. it is going to be the highest quality merchandise, that it's going to be something your client's going to be proud to have their brand on. So yeah, it takes a little bit longer. It takes about 75 days, but isn't that extra planning worth it? To get that wow moment, we sure as heck think so. So when you're ready to move away from the off-the-shelf solutions and wow your clients with off the wall, reach out to 7Sourcing at sales at 7Sourcing.com. All right, Kirby, we've alluded to it earlier. It is launch week for your book, hitting yeah. the target. And so I thought instead of putting you on the spot and say, hey, Kirby, tell us about your book. <laughs> I, I that's kind of difficult. You've probably been you've been living this book for quite a while. I thought it'd be interesting, at least for me and both of our listeners, that Sweet. if I just asked you some some specific questions to kind of maybe get underneath uh, the book, what it's about, what sure. it means to you, and all those type of things. So if you're okay with that, really doesn't matter. It's uh, <laughs> you're going to do it. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. I love it, and, and I appreciate it. Question, I do. Yeah, question number A. Okay, why did you write the book? I think that uh, generally speaking, when I write the book, it's because it's like, I feel like I have to. Um, so we came up with this uh, target marketing framework based on working with clients and it's targets an acronym. I think you and I've talked about it. Um, and it came from, you know, I'm not only working with clients, but I'm a small business development coach. And I felt like I was having the same conversation with whether they were starting a business, whether they were coming to me going, right. Hey, we've got a business, but the, the marketing's not working or, and then obviously our prospect, our, our, our customers and prospects. And so I was having this conversation over and over again. And so I finally kind of put pen to paper and create created this framework. Um, but then I was like, ah, I don't know if there's a book there. Like it, it did mm -hmm. feel good. We created a whole playbook around it. It was a, it's been a good tool. But then when I came up with the idea for the parable, which is the story, the, the fictional story of Michael, um, it was fascinating. I, I think I came up with that on a Thursday or Friday. And I went to like Dustin and Amy and a few people and said, what do you think about this? Do you think there's an idea here? And both, you know, both of them were like, yeah, I think maybe. And then it was like, I couldn't not do it. You know, like, like a Saturday, like if this was a Friday, Saturday morning, I was up at 6am and started writing. I, I wrote for eight hours on Saturday, six hours on Sunday. And it was just, like, it was just one of those where I had to, and then because it was going well, I needed to do it really fast before I lost it. You know what I mean? Like, and so, oh, yeah. so yeah, that's, I, I think uh, once, once that happens, it was just like, I had to finish it. If that makes sense. It does. And it's one of those things, you know, and I do writing as well, not to the mm -hmm. level you do certainly. Um, when there's an idea I have, I got to get it out now. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm the same, same way. I love that. Uh, you know, you wrote the book as a, as a parable, but also some pretty mm -hmm. deep business, not just business lessons, but also a blueprint of how to achieve goals. What does this book mean to you though? I want to mm -hmm. know what it means to you personally. As I get on my Barbara Walters, I'm asking some tough questions. Yeah, first. that's right. You're, you're, you're killing it. Uh, you know, I think that, you, you know, I've written a couple other books and and those mm -hmm. have gone well. And so each time you write a book, you're like, oh, this is the best one, right? Um, yeah. I feel like that this is the one where it's like, okay, the, the, the framework itself is one that, especially for small to mid-sized organizations, right. most of the ones I'm working with are not hitting the target. Sorry. But yeah. they're 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 on one of these letters, they're not doing it. And so I feel right. like A, I think it's it really will help folks. But then the idea of it being written as a parable makes it a little bit more digestible. So that I think that this will probably be my 
the, by the time it's all said and done, more people will see this book than have seen the others. And that's always cool too. So I don't know if that answered your question. Well, it, no, it did. It's off to a great start. Sir Kirby, when you're done writing the book, you, you get the book done, you, you uh, have the printed copy done. And then there's obviously, you know, there's some editing that needs to be done. There's mm -hmm. choices to be made for book cover and so on and so forth. But when you're done finally putting that last uh, period at the end of the last sentence of the book, what is the one emotion you feel when you've completed the task? Relief, <laughs> relief for thinking. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, and what's interesting is because again, it's like, okay, even, even the rough draft before the, the cover, before sure. the, whatever, the rough draft is going, okay, now I can really pick it apart. We can get editors. We can like start the, the, the separate, the second part of the, the journey of a book but getting it out. So it's like, okay, now yeah. I can go from there. That's almost relief because I've heard people say that like, they're not writing the book, that it's just coming through them. And this yeah. one more than any other felt that way for me. And I think that one of the things that I always have to remind myself is that there's two, there's probably more than two, but that the writing of the book is one part of your brain. The promoting right. of your book is a completely part, different part of your brain. And it's sure. really hard to like, like you got to kind of take the writer off and then put the marketer mm -hmm. and promoter on. And I'm living through that this week. And it is, I, I actually talk about it sometimes like in the book, the R is for reach and kind of building your brand mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there way more than you're comfortable with. And I am living that this week because it's just a different part of the kind of the journey of sure. then of writing it itself. Sure. No, it makes a lot of sense. Just a couple more Kirby. Yeah, sure. What's the one single takeaway you know, we all read books. Well, not all of us, but a lot of us read books and some of them are hundred pages. Some of them are 500 pages. Some of them are in between. Mm -hmm. There's always one takeaway. I think an author wants you to kind of hold on to months, years after the book's been read. What's that one thing you want people to take away? As I look back at it, I think that, that I don't know if it's one or two, but just the idea that most of us really stink at, uh, diving down into the person that we really want to serve right like and people call it niching people call it whatever but i the first concept of target is identify your target mm -hmm. is to really dig down into the person or persons you want to serve like yeah. you know as soon as we're done with this podcast i'm leaving and going to an hr conference because i have decided that one of the places we want to focus is hr and it it fundamentally changes how we go to market once you really, really understand who you're trying to serve. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know how I speak. I know the messaging. Right. I know the conferences that they're at. So it's like, I think it's a step that I, for years, really, really, really struggled with. Cause I'm like, I want to, I want everybody to be my customer. Even if I like right. intellectually, I said that that's not true. I still wanted it to be true. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so, not. You've heard, you've heard me say that a million times that not every, just because everyone buys promotional products does yep. not mean everybody's your customer. A hundred percent. But the ego in me wanted to fight through mm -hmm. it and say everybody was. So I think if there was one, one takeaway, it's like, man, if you can dive in, that is the most foundational piece of everything okay. we do next. So that would be my. Okay. Uh, just two more. Uh, how can people get an autographed copy? You're kind of famous now. <laughs> Hardly. Um, surprised you're still surprised you're still slumming it on this low rent podcast. <laughs> But you are. How can people get an autographed copy from That's you? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the way that you can buy it's on Amazon. Uh, but I would say that obviously if you, you know, any um, 
if you're in close to our area and you want to stop by the office, you can get right. one here. Um, I would say, you know, be at Expo. That's like the next big industry event. If there's an industry thing and you want to bring your book, I'll probably bring some books with me. Um, so that's, that's probably the best place for the audience who listens to this. And you can pick that book up on Amazon. It's amazon.com backslash Kirby.hossaman.hit.the.target slash 34628 uh forward slash backslash hhrxqmz 467287196274 dash. impressive that you remembered that. Yeah. Book. Actually, just go on Amazon and look for Kirby Hossman. It's probably the easiest way to do it. Last question, Kirby. Yeah. If you were a promotional product, what promotional product would you be and why? For real? Uh, yeah, I I still, I'm still, a, I mean, calendars are what I built my business on, but I think that if I were saying that, I'd think a t-shirt, um, the t-shirt the is still something that resonates with me. Um, it's the thing that says, I, I think there's such a sign, signal that when you wear something mm -hmm. and it has a message, it, it, it whether it's the concert t-shirt or whatever you are, you are announcing yourself as a member of that tribe. And, and I like that. Yeah. So. Love cool. it, Kirby. Uh, awesome stuff. I had the opportunity to read the book on a very early stage. You gave me a copy to kind of look through, review, get some feedback. Um, it's a great book. It's really, it's really good stuff. So I uh, highly recommend uh, if you're looking to uh, improve yourself and kind of really align what your activities are to your goals. This is a great book to pick up. So thank you, Kirby. Kirby, our Thanks, friends man. at Canada would like to say thank you. In fact, all right. They want to help everyone say thank you as we approach the season of gratitude by sharing a special on three, their three thank you blankets. It's the lamb's wool, the velva fur, and velura. All of them have thank you embroidered on them or decorated nice. on them, I should say, in different languages uh, on them. And pricing is below EQP. Can't get a better deal than that. So for all the details, head over to kanadapromo.com. Look under the specials section on the website and wrap your clients in gratitude all season long with Kanata. All right, Kirby, I believe it's your turn for a topic. I'd like to stop talking. What topic say you have, sir? You, uh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you talking about the book. Um, I've got several here, um, but let's go with this one. The headline is, is it time to sunset work happy hour? So okay. there, was once, there was once a time that the best part of working in an office was leaving the office for happy hour. And those days, much right. like being in an office Monday through Friday, seem like a relic of the working past. So mm -hmm. um, the uh, there's a bunch of factors. Obviously, there's the idea of schmoozing over beverages, but um, people changing their diet, um, whether their behaviors, you know, that let, you know, kind of changed after the pandemic. Yeah. And obviously, people are going to the office yeah. less. Um, yeah. So people are... It seems studies are saying that people are less likely to go after work for happy hour mm -hmm. with their um, uh, sort of work friends. So do you think that this is a good thing or a bad thing that um, that or I, it's time to sunset work happy hour? Do you think it's time for the work happy hour to go away? Maybe that's the question that'd be better. Yeah, I think so. I think it's been time for a while. I mean, you know, I think at, at one point work was you know there was a very defined line between i'm working and i have my suit on or my dress or my pantsuit whatever you're wearing i'm working i'm working working and then you know that's all i do all day we don't have fun conversation we don't talk about anything else we're working all day and then hey let's go have happy hour and i think that's where you get to know your your uh uh your uh cross-functional partners let's call them mm, a little bit it. your cohorts your your peers um 
I don't, I think work is a little more casual environment now, especially because it's so easy to communicate whether someone's across the room, across the hall mm -hmm. or across the country. So I, I think you, you tend to get a lot more of those uh, family, those, those open conversations. I think the most important thing though, Kirby is I think society, we, we rightfully so look down on, let's go to a location that's not our home and drink and then drive home. Mm, uh, that's yeah, the first that's thing I think of with work happy hour. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's Uber, but I, we still know people who I've only had a couple. I'm just fine. And my house is three miles away, which right. is always a recipe for, for potential disaster. So yeah, that's a great point. I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't miss work happy hours. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think you saw the evolution of this right at the onset of the pandemic um, when, when we all started doing virtual happy hours. Right. And I think we're all more comfortable being in our own space where, uh, you know, there, there's something to be said about going to like a bar and experiencing that. I just don't think it's with your, your work people. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, honestly, I thought about this as you were talking. So like listening mm -hmm. to and, and hearing it, I think one of the other reasons that you're seeing us that the, the people are becoming less is because yeah. of the the hybrid and the remote work is yeah. that oh, yeah. if you all go to the bar next to the office and yeah. 30% or 50% of your workforce isn't there it is kind of exclusionary um i think yeah. of you know in our area we you know, if if Dustin and Emily and and you know several of us go to get a drink afterwards, Jade can't come because Jade is in right. Colorado, and so right. I wonder. That's actually what made me think of it. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's something that we struggle with for work, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to exclude Jade from work meetings, even though there's a two hour sure. time difference and all that stuff. So the idea of doing the the culture building activity that you can't include half your workforce to is one of the things too, I think that is, and I hadn't thought about that until just now. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that we don't think about often enough is with so many people either hybrid or working from home, if I declare a happy hour at Thursday at X, you know, whatever time it is, for a good portion of people, that means they got to leave their house. They have to, right. it's, a, yeah. it's a bigger calorie burn. If I'm at an office, well, I could stop by and have one drink and yeah. then go home. Right. If I'm at home, I gotta, I gotta probably get dressed. I gotta yeah. do my hair. I gotta <laughs> wear something nice. I have yeah. to put on makeup or whatever it is, and I gotta drive somewhere. I think that's really what's killed it more than anything else. Yeah, that's cool. All right, I was just kind of curious. I figured right, you'd have a take on it. All right, Kirby, I'd like to be the first to welcome you to NFL Flavor Town. Okay. All right, I can't wait. And I'm going to tell you why, because our good pal, uh, your friend of mine, Guy Fieri from the Food Network, mm -hmm. has declared himself football's director of flavor and fashion. I don't know if you knew this, Kirby. I did not. It's, a, merchan it's, a, it's a merchandise collaboration with all 32 NFL teams. Um, and there's a Flavortown branded apparel line. It is NFL uh, sanctioned, so but it has apparel, Tervis drinkware, socks, things like that. Nice. Um, well... I don't know about that, Kirby. Not going too well, buddy, because okay. if you go look at the merch store, there are some deep discounts. They are stacking them deep and selling them cheap. So we've seen some weird collaborations. Mm -hmm. This one seems real bizarre to me. And, and, and before everybody gets all on Guy Fieri, I will tell you, yeah, his personality can be enormously polarizing. But I will tell you privately, 
uh, everything I've ever read about him. He is one of the nicest family men. He donates so much time and money and food to a lot of charities. He's a good human being. Yeah, his his on his on screen uh, characterization is a little little much at times, but uh, I don't think this Flavor Town NFL thing is working. So, does that make sense to you, just on the surface, without any other information? I, well, I guess you and I talked about. I think this was a Super Bowl ad, right? That was that's mm-hmm. where the Flavor Town concept started, yeah. and you were like, "This is a really weird ad." And so, the idea that there's a spinoff of it. It makes me think that a bunch, a, a number of people thought that that ad was amazing and that it really resonated so that we we want to take it so far as to create merch. And so I guess from it on its face right away, I go, hmm, that's they, they thought that was a good idea, huh? Yeah. Now, that being said, like when you first said it, I was like, wow, Guy Fieri knows how to sell himself. He does. He's a great promoter. Yeah. He's a great promoter. I mean, he is self-described the mayor of Flavortown and yeah. I, wherever that is. <laughs> so basically what they did is picked each NFL city and paired it with what, what I assume the mayor of Flavortown felt was its most iconic game day food. So we're going to play a quiz, Kirby. That's right. Pop quiz, Kirby. Oh, it's a pop God. quiz for Kirby. I'm gonna be so I'm just going to name the NFL. You will. I'm going to name the <laughs> NFL city. And you're going to give me the food that the mayor of Flavortown has uh, decreed as the food for the game. Are you ready? Okay. Everything's going to be hot wings or burgers. Yeah. But okay. Uh, Let's start off with Buffalo. Okay. It's got to be hot wings. Okay. Very good. Buffalo wings. Nashville. I don't know. Nachos come to mind. I don't know if that's right. Hot chicken. Hot chicken. Okay. So yeah. thinking of food that's identified with the yeah. city, okay? Which again, you'd be you'd be great at this, yeah. but I'm not going to be great at this. I mean, Philadelphia. I think of of the, the Philadelphia cheesesteak. Yes, he did it. He got it. He found it. Yes, <laughs> it, took me, it was, it was in there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to get to the the harder parts. Oh, now. great. This is not getting more difficult. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. They're all going to be burgers now. It's going to be burgers. Atlanta is soul food, which to me is very generic. Very generic. To me, that would be chicken and waffles makes a little more sense, but okay. Minnesota. Minnesota sausage comes to mind. Should have gone with burger. It would be the Juicy Lucy, Kirby. (laughs) Kansas Kansas City. Kansas City uh, barbecue. Ribs. Okay. Ribs. Okay. I feel like I get partial credit for that one. You get partial uh, credit. Miami? Uh, yeah, something like Cuban or... Yep, the Cuban sandwich. Look okay. at you. You're you're killing it. Okay. Now we're getting to the hard ones. Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's, it's got to be something cheese related, doesn't it? You're not doing bad. Brats and curds. Okay, okay. Cleveland. Um, I guess you go dog? Uh, kind of. It's something called the Polish boy, which I'm... Not sure exactly what that is, but from the picture that we're going to use on the cover of the podcast this week, it looks like some sort of of uh, tubed steak or wiener topped yeah. with French fries. It's very okay. strange. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kirby, Pittsburgh. Oh, gosh. Uh, I would have to go with, uh, you know, what do you eat in jail? Was their criminals. Uh, pierogi, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Apparently a pierogi. Very nice shot at Cleveland there. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Denver. Uh, see, we're just going through the litany of teams that have been. I've only got about three or four more. Cleveland in a just brutal way. So uh, Denver, Mile High. Nope. 
something. I don't know. Rocky Mountain Oysters. Okay. Rocky Mountain Oysters. Okay. Now here's where it gets weird. I'm just going to do quick four. Dallas. I'm just going to tell you what they are. Dallas, Texas style barbecue. That's so generic to me. Okay. Um, Houston, T-bone steak. I don't, there's a lot of great food in Houston for an awful city. There's a lot of great <laughs> food there, but uh, it, it T-bone steak does not come to mind when I think of, of okay. Houston. I'll take your word uh, as my Texan here. Yeah. Uh, New York Giants. Just take a guess. What would the Giants be? New York Giants. New York Giants. New York uh, Pizza. Very good. Yeah, New York Pizza. How about New York Jets? Pizza. Also New York Pizza. So that drove <laughs> that just short circuited my brain. So yeah, <laughs> okay, it's right. kind of like I said. I, I'm all for merch collaborations. I know you are too. This one's a weird one. Like I said, seems like it's not going too well. All right, Kirby, do you have a quick topic for us before we uh, go to our football picks? Yes. Or no. Yes, really quick. So. Yep. Again, this is a music one because, and that's the reason I kind of wanted your take on it. So, All right. if the All right. eight minute long masterpiece Stairway to Heaven debuted on Spotify mm-hmm. today, it would probably yeah. be lost in a sea of techno mixes and Christmas covers and all this right. stuff. And that's because right. it pays now for songs to be short. Music streaming yep. services pay artists by the number of plays, and a play only counts if a user listens for 30 seconds. And so they're starting to see that songs are, and and then if it goes through the whole song, it actually reward the algorithm rewards it if you make it all the way through the song. And so then it shows it to more people. So again, playing the algorithm, like we talk about with marketing. And so um, according to music blogger, uh, Michael Toberg, the average length Mm -hmm. of hit songs has dropped by more than 30 seconds since 2000. Mm -hmm. Good, bad, or indifferent, says Bill. Uh, bad. And, and because I think what you're doing is you're stemming creativity uh, it's because that's how it's monetized. I mean, I think what you're really looking at losing are those long, now some of them are bad, but you're losing the long song intros, right? Yeah. I think if Stairway to Heaven, that probably goes a full minute, maybe minute and a half before there's ever any singing on top yeah. of it. Um, again, kids these days, a lot of people aren't going to make it through that. Help. I have a problem making yeah. it through it. And I think it's a great song. Same thing with Cashmere or whatever. Uh, Led Zeppelin. So uh, I think it's, I think what you're doing is unfortunately stunting the creative process, um, you know, and, and I know everybody's trying to figure out how to monetize streaming so that artists get uh, compensated mm-hmm. the way we all hope that they should. Um, I don't have the answer at all, but yeah. I don't love the, you got to listen 30 seconds because again, I, you're, 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 that's why everything feels very homogenized now. Yeah. Now for the people who say that all music sounds the same, uh, go back to 1987. Most of the, everything was a hair metal song, right? Go back to 1993. Everything was very grungy. And then, you know, I always use the, the example on hair metal. You take a song like, which was very popular at the time. Every rose has its thorn by poison. You slow it down just a tick put a little country twang on it. That's a number one country hit today. Oh, it's a for good days, yeah. song. Yeah. Right. And so these, these, these uh, types of genres repeat themselves. But what I think we're going to see with this, or I think it's bad is that it's not necessarily genre defining it's song defining. It's changing the way people are creating their art. And mm-hmm. so therefore I don't love it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think it, it's it's taken a step back to where we were. So it's funny because yeah. when ra- when it was playing on the radio, the 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 radio DJs all wanted two and a half minute, three minute songs and no mm-hmm. more. And then all of a sudden, people tr- like tried tried to break through that, and you couldn't get "Stairway to Heaven," "Bohemian Rhapsody," right. any of those songs to play. And so they built up a different way to break through. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I 
I don't need to, well, you, you were very well, eloquent, but I, I think it was interesting that it's going back. Well, I think that's where we used to see what we used to call the radio edit, right? There yeah. would be these weird, like that you would have the album Stairway to Heaven or the album Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. And then you'd have a almost uh, four minute version of it that missed a verse here, contracted a solo there, took out a solo here. Yeah. And it just sounded different. It changed the song completely. So this is not new. Yeah, that agreed. monetization has changed the art. It's just yeah. a different manner. All right. Speaking of art, Kirby, we both had some good weeks last night in our picks for PPEF. We both yeah. went four and two. Um, so right now, much better than week lead. one. <laughs> much yeah. better than week one. I'm in the lead uh, with seven uh, points. You have six, mm-hmm. one point per victory. Yep. And here we go. So got some good games on the slate this week Kirby some yep. really good ones um we've got Florida State ranked number 4 at Clemson which is unranked Kirby yep. who do you got I'm taking Florida State all day Clemson has not looked the same since uh gosh Lawrence left so I'm I'm yeah. I'm taking Florida State even though it's at Clemson Yeah Clemson historically a very difficult place to play um but I am absolutely going to take Florida State as well All right Kirby Colorado, the prime time, prime time, prime time, Coach Prime, taking the number 19th ranked Colorados into the number 10th ranked ranked Oregons. I'll tell you what, this is what a tough got? game for me to, to pick. I, I think my head says Oregon, my heart says Colorado. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go Colorado. All right. Just for you the know, story. I, I I was doing a little, uh, you know, I get the advantage because I picked the games, did a little research. You know, Oregon, historically, a very, very, very difficult team, place, to, uh, place play. to play for yeah. visiting teams. Uh, I am going to go with the Oregons here. I am going to yeah. go with the Oregon Ducks. I think it's All a good right, pick, Kirby. Yeah. The, I always love te- uh, close-ranked teams when they play. Ole Miss, the number 15th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels, are going to travel into Tuscaloosa, Alabama to play the Crimson Tide, ranked number 13. Who do you got, Kirby? What's Ole Miss ranked again? Uh, 15th. Boy, Alabama has not looked good. Uh, and they've, and I, I always love picking up on your, your theme. It's fun. Uh, and, it, but they've lost at home this year. Um, I, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so I'll go Alabama. All right, Kirby, metaphorically flipping a coin with Alabama. Uh, I have been to a number of games at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and it is kind of the cathedral football in the SEC, to be honest with you. And it is historically a very difficult place for a road team to come in and take a victory. But Ole Miss is going to do it this week. I know that um, that team will disappoint me just like they always do, uh, but not this week. They take Alabama. All right, Kirby, let's go to the pro ranks. Yeah. Boy, we got th- this is a must win game for both. These are some must win games. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, 0 and 2, at the Minnesota Vikings, also 0 and 2. Something's got to give here. That was the theme last week, but something still has to give this week, Kirby. Yeah, I've picked the Chargers for two weeks in a row, and I, yeah. I, I, I decided when I saw these picks that you were, you're like, you are going to challenge me to lose every week on the Chargers until I learn my lesson. This is not going to be the week that I learn my lesson. Oh, right. I, I believe in Herbert more than I do. Cousins, I'm taking the okay. Chargers. Weird shot at people's family, but whatever. <laughs> um, I will say that, uh, and I like the Chargers. Best uniforms in pro football, if you ask me. Those Potter Blues are absolutely gorgeous. They are going into Minnesota, and I think we know how difficult a place that place is to play. 
Uh, I don't know if Herbert's going to do well. They don't have Austin Eckler. I take the Minnesota Vikings, and I, for one, like Cousins. I like family. All right, Kirby. <laughs> Uh, the New York, I'm sorry, the New England Patriots, uh, yeah. speaking of teams that don't look very good, against another team that doesn't look very good in the New York Jets. This is in the Meadowlands, New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Kirby, who do you got? Patriots. <laughs> the Jets season left a long time ago. I know they've got yeah. a good defense, but yeah, I'm, I believe in the Patriots on a little bit more on this one. Yeah. Yeah, and historically New York uh is not a tough place to play. <laughs> so I also will pick the I will also uh pick the Patriots on this one. All right, Monday night football. Love us show some Monday night football. Philadelphia Eagles mm -hmm. at the surprising Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the uh resurrected career of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I I mean, good for Baker, but he has <laughs> I've lived, I've seen this movie, man. Uh yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Eagles for sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I've always kind of been a fan of Baker Mayfield. I like, I, you know, much like I'm, I'm a fan of, of Deion Sanders and people say, why, why are you a fan of that? He's a loud mouth. Well, I don't love loud mouths generally, but I love a loud mouth that can back it up and mm -hmm. prime time can back it up for days. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. I've always felt like he got the short end of the stick with some bad teams. He's kind of a loud mouth, kind of a hothead, but I like the fact that he backs it up. Uh, plus, you add the fact they're playing in Tampa Bay, which I think we all know one of the most difficult places to play in the NFL, if not the entire uh, entirety of sport. Uh, even so, I am picking the Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia <laughs> oh, Eagles. Man. All right, Kirby, we've got them locked in. We've got them locked in. But I'm telling you, if you want to lock in a wow moment, an aha moment, there's no better way to do that than to contact our friend Russ over at Seven Sourcing. That's right. They're experts in the field. They work with distributors just like you you to help you source custom orders direct from fully vetted overseas factories. They work with each of you, every single one of you, on brand strategy, product development, product sourcing, order management, quality control, compliance, and logistics. They truly demystify uh, direct custom sourcing, and, and they will absolutely uh, would love the opportunity to work with you. So email them at sales at sevensourcing.com. You're not going to be sorry you did. Kirby's got I think 14 projects in the hopper. And so, you know, probably, you know, but they're going to make line for you. He's going to step out of the line <laughs> to make way. way for you. Yeah. All right. Kirby, once again, uh, from the bottom of my Billy Hart, congratulations on uh, your, the launch of your new book. Uh, Thanks, my man. hard copy is finally coming today. So nice. I'm excited about that and excited to uh, see where it goes from here. So have a great week, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. That's right.